Taylor's Tins, one of the best there is. A good friend of ours and supporter of National Fire Radio. He comes up first in a lineup of sponsors because he means that much to me. Taylor's been with us from day one. I hit him up on day one and said, brother, I love your shield. I love what it represents. I'd like to give them out to all of our podcast guests. And from day one, almost five years ago, we've been issuing Taylor's Tins to all of our guests as a keepsake and recognition for their willingness to share some time and their story with us in our community at National Fire Radio. These aluminum helmet fronts, they change the market. They're revolutionary in what they do. Even if you're a traditionalist with the leather shield, the aluminum shield offers so much when it comes to durability, cleanliness, decon. They can do it all with the aluminum shield. Their customer service, let's talk about that for a minute, where things usually take several weeks now to get your hands on them from the from conception to manufacturing process and out the door and onto your helmet. Taylor can turn around orders within 48 hours, whether it's a 500-piece shield order for your department or a one-off customized shield. Taylor's doing them, and he's doing them within 48 hours, and they're getting out the door. It's not just the helmet shields. Nope, there's more. They got locker tags, carbon monoxide meter, you know, data sheets. They have pump data sheets, pump tags, locker tags, street signs, banquet gifts. You name it, the list goes on and on. Check them out at taylorstins.com. That's where they conduct business. You can hit them up on the chat right there. They walk you through the process of designing your custom Taylor's Tin from the website. So go to taylorstins.com, check them out. They represent the very best of what the American Fire Service is all about, and I'm proud to have them as a sponsor of the National Fire Radio platform. And in the words of Taylor and his crew, stop burning up leather. Another great sponsor of the National Fire Radio podcast, Fire Department Coffee. Based out of Rockford, Illinois, Fire Department Coffee is a veteran-owned, firefighter-run coffee company dedicated to providing great-tasting, freshly roasted coffee to people everywhere. Along with providing a growing selection of incredible coffee, including signature spirit-infused roasts, Fire Department Coffee also supports our fellow first responders in need through the Fire Department Coffee Foundation by giving back to those who have been injured on the job, mentally or physically, or who are facing other serious health challenges. They are a company that supports our own. Check out Fire Department Coffee. They have so much to offer. Jason Patton and his crew are good friends of the National Fire Radio brand. We appreciate them for being a sponsor of our podcast. Check them out. Fire Department Coffee. They're brewing coffee to support us. Hey, everybody. Jeremy, National Fire Radio back for another episode on the audio platform. Thanks for tuning in today. Today, I got Matt Pronovo, Thomaston, Connecticut, 11 years, third-generation fireman in the volunteer fire service. This is important to me. I think we need to do a better job at telling the story and hitting topics that affect not just the career firefighters, but focusing on the volunteer firefighters as well. As everybody knows, I am a volunteer fireman, 28 years, uh, super passionate about the fire service. And so it's important to me that we represent both sides of the coin. And when we always talk on the National Fire Radio platform, I always say it's career and volunteer, regardless of where you work or where you volunteer or vice versa. Uh, it's all the same across the board. Matt, thanks for joining me, buddy. Thanks for having me, brother. Appreciate it. 
You know, I, a little backstory. I think you and I connected probably three or four years ago. You had reached yeah. out, right? We we started uh, we started the podcast, or whatever. And I remember you reaching out, and I think it was just uh, you said like, "Hey, you know," it was actually just a, a kind of nice words of encouragement from you, and um, and I appreciate that. And I've that's always stuck with me. And I I know I tried to get you on once before on like a roundtable we did probably what two three years ago, I think. Yeah, yeah. And then the the world ended, and <laughs> yeah, COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guess what? Election day tomorrow, COVID doesn't exist anymore, right? So we've That's moved right. on. That's yeah. Right. Yep. How about that? <laughs> so, brother, 11 years in the fire service. I know you absolutely love it. I do. I do. It's, it's got its challenges. It does. But you know what? Like like anything else, the good things that happen in life come with challenge. It's like otherwise it wouldn't be good. I love that. It was easy, you know. No, true. And then explain to me a little bit third generation. So, I mean, that's that's a legacy, man. I mean, and in the same department, I believe, too, right? Yeah, same department. So my uh, my grandfather, my dad's dad, was a member of the Hook and Ladder Company Number One of Thomaston, Connecticut. And uh, the tradition goes that whatever company your dad's on, you join the opposite. So my dad became a member of the uh, Crescent Hose Company Number Two, and then I wasn't about to become one of those ladder guys, so I <laughs> stuck with the Crescent Hose Company Number Two and broke that tradition. You broke but the trend. I did. I did. Yeah. What was what was the thinking there? They didn't want nepotism or family on the same company. Yeah. Probably. I mean, who, who knows back then? I mean, those, yeah. a, a lot of that changed uh, in, in my time. But, um, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, it's hard to grow up and, and kind of become yourself if you're living under somebody's shadow. And, and that has its struggles, too. I mean, my dad wasn't an active member when I joined. He decided to come back shortly after. But you know, he was an assistant chief down here, and he went through the ranks almost completely twice. So, you know, I grew up in the fire service. I grew up in the fire station. So when I joined here in 2011, after getting out of the military, I, I knew all these guys and these guys all knew me. So it was kind of like, you know, that's Paulie's kid. Well, you know, <laughs> is that the good thing or a bad thing? Right. So you got to have to try to carve your own path. And I, and I think it's worked out well, but definitely, um, carving the legacy, carving your own path. That is a, that is an interesting conversation, not just in the volunteer service, but obviously in the career service as well. Right. Firefighting is a family business, man. Right. So absolutely. A lot of times multi-generational guys are on the line together. Um, I think, you know, that man, there's so much to talk about right there. Just being a legacy in the shoes to fill yet finding your own void and, or finding your own way to, to navigate the space. Talk to talk to that challenge a little bit. I mean, what was it like to forge your own path? Well, I mean, I definitely got. I'd like to say that they were they treated me fairly, and I and I think they really did. The guys were a little hard on me when I first started, just like you're supposed to be. Uh, a lot of roll the hose and they unroll and tell me to do it again or that kind of thing. But yeah. I really do think it all came from a place of love. And when you when you when you go places, I, I went to fire school, and everybody's like, "I remember your father doing this." I remember, so it's tough because you hear the stories, and you want to be, you know, you want to honor the legacy, and you, but you also I want to do my thing. I wasn't my Absolutely. dad, I'm not, you know, and and I think that um, a lot of the lessons he taught me growing up, and then even my younger days in the fire service, which are I think still upon me, but he still taught me quite a bit, and that's um, it's something that like you know, there's times where I want to break from that, and times where I want to stick to it. So yeah. You gotta, it, it, it's not just the name on the back of your coat the, the, over your shoulders. It's the one across your ass you got on it, too, you know? So. Oh, I, I like that. That's good. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, growing up in a volunteer household, I mean, you know, I know my background with my father, it was very civic-minded, man. Like, he was all yeah. about the community and giving back and serving the community, and that's how he did it in that capacity. Um, for you, I guess you grew up in a, the same kind of boat then. Absolutely. I mean, he... 
My dad uh, retired from the town of Thomaston as the highway superintendent, so he worked for the town for you know, 25, 30 years, whatever it was. Um, my sister became a member down here as well. Um, she's kind of been an out now, but she still put her time in. She actually got to go to a job before I did because of uh, poor luck. <laughs> she never lets me forget that. But, nice. Nice. Yeah. That's well, a good family. Yeah, and so with that then, right, the the sense of community pride, the sense of the yes. firehouse and, and the volunteer fire service, um, when did it bite you, man? Like, when did you – was it young? Was it before you got to the firehouse? I mean, you said you were – you went into the military, right? Yeah, so, I mean, I didn't really do the – we have an Explorer post on here. I didn't do the Explorer thing. Um, you know, my dad stepped down from being a chief. I think I was probably 11 or 12. So there was, like, my teenage years, which is probably right when I would have been getting into it. He was uh, taking a little hiatus, so, therefore, we all kind of took a little hiatus from a firehouse. Not in a bad way, but just we did. I got it. Um, so I joined the military, I joined the Coast Guard, and I think that there, when I was doing my hitch, I was, we were doing, you know, search and rescue, whatever else, and it was like, this is this is what I want to do. This is what I feel like I, I can, my, where my purpose is, is like helping people and doing that thing. And when I got out, I mean, I uh, drove home from Virginia when I had a end of service, and I, the next morning, I, <laughs> I woke up, went down to the firehouse, got an application, met the guys that were having coffee, and filled out the app, and I think it was like... Uh, like my first run, I, like putting the gear on and getting on the rig. Like my first run was like, fuck yeah, that this yeah. is it. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. I get it, man. There's nothing yeah. like that first run. And I remember like when, you know, 20, 27, 28 years ago for me, like I remember the first run wasn't like the first day, man. I had to wait, no. like yeah. I had to wait a few days. And uh, now it's only a matter of waiting a few hours until the alarm goes off yeah. again with the amount of runs we're doing now. But you know, that moment, though, for you really then solidified, like, this is it for me. I mean, this is where yeah. I need to be. Yeah, and, uh, you know, when I was younger, I I probably could have taken – I tried to get hired. You know, I took the test and everything, and it just wasn't working out, and my life took me in different directions, and I don't really regret that. But I, I do think that, you know, I'll, I'll never not volunteer again. Even if we move, you know, if we're chasing better schools or whatever else for our young one, I'll always volunteer. And whether it's here or somewhere else, I'm – you're not going to, I mean, you can take me out of the town, but you're not going to take me out of the fire service. It's, it's just not going to happen. I get that, man. I mean, I'm, I'm very much the same way. And I've been fortunate to be able to stay in the same town that I, I began as a volunteer fireman and, and I'm still here today. And, you know, fortunate enough to be able to raise my family in the same town yeah. and it's good schools and everything else. So it's just worked out for me, but I know my life is not going to end here. And I know we're going to be moving on in a few years and I'm looking forward to opportunity and trying something new somewhere different. Um, Absolutely. But I agree with you, man. I And that's something I want to talk to you about is how dedicated people actually are to the volunteer fire service. And I, I, I look at my own department. I look at a lot of these young kids and they try to stay in the area and hold on as long as they can because yeah. they're so committed and dedicated to the department that they grew up in. Absolutely. I mean, anybody who says that like volunteerism is dying is like they're letting it die. Right. Like that's anybody. Who's, I mean, I know that we have our struggles and I know that the civic mindedness isn't the same as it was 10, 20, 30, 40, whatever, but people are still coming to, to join. They're still signing up. I mean, our department, we went through some struggles in the last few years. Uh, COVID really put the nail in the, quite a few nails in the coffin for us, as far as some of our membership was concerned. And we had to face that. We had to make some leadership changes. Some, some we had some tough discussions. And you know, since then, in the last year or two, we've had uh, like twelve new recruits, and almost all of which have worked out really well. Um, they're going to school. They're interested in the the department. They're interested in the craft. They want to they want to learn. They're they're hungry. Our explorer post is booming. It's 
So to say that like volunteerism is, is dying is basically to say that like you've given up on what you know to be volunteerism. I think that like people coming in, we, we have to make sure that they, they get that. And um, I have a lot of, I have a lot of young kids. I'm actually, I, I wrote it down because I didn't want to forget. I'm actually watching a new legacy develop in front of me at the, at the firehouse. So we had a kid join like five years ago. Yeah. Um, not, you know, not from a firefighting family. And, mm-hmm. um, and he became a very close friend of mine, became a really good fireman, a, a guy that I'd like to have with me. And then his cousin decided to join. And now his cousin's younger brother is joining. So now I've got three kids from the same lineage, all grow, all, all starting their paths a little bit separate from each other. And now I'm watching like their legacy start. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, and I'm excited. Cause like, I get That's, to be a part of that. Yeah. hundred percent, man. And what, and what is the appeal for them? I mean, it, obviously that first run bit them too then, right? Yeah. It's your buddy. And then it's his siblings. Is that what it is? Yeah. Well, it's his uh, cousins. Yeah. Cousin. So uh, okay. there's Tim and then his cousins, Jack and right. Connor, I believe his uh, brother's name is. And I mean, once, so I far. think one of the, I think one of the most powerful things is the infectious nature of what we do. When you find yeah. a group, I love when we get a group in, together three four five guys that are in yes. high school together college together whatever it is and they come in right around the same time from each other and they they just feed off each other yeah well and then you have to you have to be the right kind of person to do this right like i know that we say like come on and join anybody can do it well not really you have to be you have to be the right kind of person and i mean i live breathe eat this shit like like everything about the fire service is cool to me so when i get training i'm a captain here when i get training and teaching these guys and everything i tell them all the time like tell me if i'm just rambling because i could talk about this stuff all day like and to to have other guys come in with the same level of passion they come up to me like hey cap i was watching this video or they're sending me links or like hey you know now like they're becoming new york city buffs because it's I don't know. It's fun to be a New York City buff. Uh, some people may rack on me for it, but I enjoy it. You no, know, so it, it's like, it, listen, man, it's it's a th- it's a thing. It's a Northeast thing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I grew up with my dad listening to the Bravest and the Family Computer in the kitchen every night. So it's I kind of learned all the ten girls. <laughs> right. Probably, I've got more of that floating around my head than I need to. But I'm yeah, sure. and it's it's exciting to see these young kids come in, and because a lot of times, like my favorite ones that come in are the ones that have zero understanding of what the fire service is. Because they come in wanting to do something nice for the um, for the community, or they come in because they heard that you know if I get hired, I only got to work eight days a month, and that's fine too. You want to get experience, you want to get exposure. One kid came because his dad's a cop, and he wanted to do the opposite. Nice. But when they come in and they don't know anything, it's like now it's our opportunity to be like, this is how cool this is. You know, like to when we're we're running through town on a run, and we got the cue going, the air horns, and it's all the exciting wee woo parts. To look back and see the smile on that kid, like it's the first time he's on a carousel, is like it's amazing. It's a good feeling for me too, as a boss, that I have these guys that are coming in that just they they want to work. I wish we had more work, but they want work, you yeah. know. And it's. But let me so let me ask you this though. I mean, how so? I look at the struggles of this, right? I look at it a bunch of different ways. And and I don't mean struggle in a in a bad way. I mean in a way that we need to address new members. I think that yeah. you know, we're dropping the ball more and more on our new members. I don't think that we have the solid foundation that we've always had. And I know yeah. you started off the conversation very powerfully by saying that volunteerism is not dead. And if you say it is, you're part of the problem, basically. It's like you got to work harder to find yeah. ways to make sure we're promoting the very best of volunteerism. And I, I agree with you 100%. 
And I look at what happens, though, and, and I'd love for you to address this a little bit because, you know, you guys seem to be stronger where you are today than where you were a few years ago. You had said that you, you got a bunch of new members in. Things are, are trending upward where most places are trending downward. And I, I look at the whole volunteer conversation and say we're doing much more with less. And that and part of that that struggles is that protecting the culture and tradition of the company because – too often we're spread thin, and so we're putting all of our concentration into response and training, and the other things go by the wayside. Talk about that a little bit. Talk about how you guys are dealing with that. It's it's one of the toughest parts. I mean, yeah, I can I can teach anybody how to pull hose. You know what I mean? I can teach you how to do whatever it is, but it's hard to teach the feeling of like a, of the brotherhood. And it's different for me because I grew up down here. So it was instilled in me at a very young age. I mean, we had the roofing parties. We had the moving parties. I remember when my family moved from one house to the other across town, it only took one trip because there were 45 pickup trucks from three <laughs> different departments. You know what I mean? So, yes. And, and a lot of that, I mean, I did a small portion of my roof not too long ago and I had 15 guys up there. Nice. Sometimes they were just drinking, but Hey, they were there, yep. but it's, you have to be able to teach that. And I think that's, what's so difficult because a lot of these guys coming in, you know, younger or even some of the older ones that we've gotten, we've, we've caught them in, in, you know, in their thirties and they want to join. It's difficult because not a lot of people know what it's like to belong to something like this. I think if you are prior military, you get it right off the rip. You get the brotherhood thing right off the get go and you know what it's like to work as a team. But if you're, if you're coming to me fresh out of high school, I think even sports is different. It's really difficult because, you know, at this point, like, you know, we don't do it a lot, but when we do go to work, you have to remember that we're relying on each other to keep each other alive and come back home safe and sound. And that brings up such a different way of how we interact with each other. And like, for example, ball busting is huge in the fire service sure. I, that we all have to be fluent in it right we have to make sure that especially now that there's a difference between ball busting and being an asshole right and we have to you know we can't bully folks and we got to make sure we're fun but we also you got to crack some eggs to make an omelet and and it's and it's tough to it's tough to take these kids who have never experienced that and then and throw them into it and um you know i hear from guys too it's like oh it's different down here well yeah, it's different because you're letting it be different. Just like the kid, you know, we hear all the time, like all these kids with their phones and none of these kids have ever started a chainsaw before, all this other stuff. Well, it's your duty to teach them how to do that just as much as it's your duty to teach them the culture of the firehouse, of your company, of your you know, your crew, your department, whatever your, your cultures and traditions are, you have to teach them that. Um, little things that are unwritten rules here. Usually when we park along the front part of the firehouse where guys park for a response, when we leave after a run, most everybody stays parked unless the officers back out first. I don't think everybody's ever taught that, right? But like Wait, nobody's ever told me that's a rule, but we just do it. Yeah. Wow. How about that, man? I've never heard of that before. And it, like I said, I've ne no one ever told me to do that, but it was just something that like, you know, you, you kind of always just watched and like, how come nobody's moving? Oh, we gotta let the captain out first. We gotta let the lieutenant out first, that kind of thing. And it's little things like that. It's, you know, we, um, we have a, a lounge day room that we occasionally have some beverages in and things sure. like that. We play cards together. I'm like, oh, you don't know how to play cards? You'll guess what you're going to learn. And it's all, and it's all. I don't know how to play cards. Too bad. Sit down. This is the deal. You know what I mean? And it, I do. It's uh, it's difficult, like, to break people because we're so isolated now. I think, like, as much as we know everything about each other because of social media, we're so isolated from some of your friends, friend groups. I mean, I know that's not the case with me because I like firemen and I hang out with them all the time. Um, but like when some of these kids come in, they may not have friends down here. So like breaking them out of that shell and teaching them like it's it's okay to be like this is cool. Like we, 
you know, I've said it before. We don't call each other brother because it's a cool nickname. We call each other that because it fucking means something. Right. Right. Like that's, and that's, what's really important is just like getting that across. Do I know how to teach it all? I don't think so. But I mean, yeah. Well, and you said it before too, uh, I think before we started recording and you said, you know, we were talking about a couple topics and the ones, the one thing you had said was how does a probie know to behave if nobody ever told them what's expected and how to behave? How, That's right. You know, and, and I think that is a big part of the volunteer fire service that we need to do a better job of. And I think that's what's happening as we're getting spread thin. The focus on the new, we're, we're expecting them to know more than they could possibly know. But we're yeah. expecting it out of them because it makes it easier for us. And and we can't yeah. we can't set our people up for fail. I've seen new people leave because they just weren't taken care of correctly. Nobody took those extra few moments every week or every day or every month to just focus on them a little bit more and to give them or teach them in a way that they need to learn. Because right. I, I think what we do terribly is it's it's one, you know, it's one way or no way. And I yeah. and, and unfortunately, like, you know, it's always been that way. But I, I get that. But today it takes a little bit different of an approach to sometimes deliver to get the same end goal. And so it takes a little bit more work from the people that are instructing or instilling right. the rules or, or values or the guidelines or bylaws or anything else that comes with it, right? The You wait here until the chief and the captain back out of the spaces and leaves the firehouse, then you guys are dismissed. Like, those things, that takes effort to teach people that. And, and, and also to teach the background of why we do that, right? Because then there's that legacy, there's that that history and culture and tradition that this is why we do it because we've done it this way for a hundred years because of X, Y, and Z. Right. Yeah. Like, and I think that makes a difference. Do you find the same? Well, I do. Yeah. I mean, it's like the little things like, you know, someone, I had this conversation the day. Somebody said, why do you treat probies like shit? And like, we don't really treat them like shit. I think we're trying to get a point across. And the point is the way I see it and the way it's been explained to me and the way that I try to uphold it with my guys is that like, yeah, we're going to holler at you and tell you to go take out the trash. And why haven't you yet? Or do this. And even if it's something stupid, you're just expected to do it and not ask why. And the reason why is because if I were to say, go take out that trash, you're like, why do I got to do that? Well, then when the shit is hitting the fan and I'm telling you that you need to jump out that window or things are going to get really bad, I don't need you to ask me how to say why. Don't ask me why. Just do it. And it starts at the firehouse. It starts with taking the trash out taking responsibility of the home because this is our home. You know what I mean? Taking responsibility for the place, taking responsibility for yourself. And, and it's, it's like I said, it's difficult to teach that for people who've never been exposed to it. You know, what's really fun for me is when I watch like one of the senior guys, like bark at one of the junior guys that take the garbage out or do the dishes or something right. like that. And then like, I'll get up and walk in and do it. Yeah. And, and it's like, <laughs> watch and, their head spin. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, well, wait, guys, like, let's lead by example, too. Yeah. Like, I'm not fucking broken. It's the oh, same no, thing. Absolutely. It's the same thing when, when chiefs forget that they're firemen, right? Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that drives me nuts, too, is when they're so used to pointing and talking on the radio that they forget that they could actually pick up that hose line and help that two man engine company push in through the, right. in through the front door instead of standing there and, and watching. Right. Like you're, you're still a fireman. Right. Right. It's yeah, those absolutely. type of things. I mean, leading by example. But I think now more than ever, people have gotten comfortable. We've become comfortable and comfortable leads to complacency. Complacency leads to failure. 
hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, and, and not to say that like, you know, the people with rank or the senior folks shouldn't be lifting because they should be. Um, there's been plenty of times where guys take a broom out of my hand and they, they're like, I got a calf. Like, well, listen, I got arms that work. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, but but it's... The, you know what it is too, is we, the se- the role of the senior man has changed, not just in the role of it, but the age of it. I mean, 100%. I don't have a lot of guys with more than 20 years in this department. I have them, but they're, they're not around as much as they used to be as much as I'd like to see them around. You know what I mean? And, and it's the little things that like, so when I, one of my first couple of runs, I remember we went to an activate alarm at a, a building here that we go to pretty frequently. I was right, and I was with this guy, and we, you know, we rode the truck, and we get there, and the officer splits the crew up. I was with this guy who was uh, probably fifteen or fifteen or twenty years my senior at least, and uh, we, we started, I just following him. I'm keeping my mouth shut and trying to make sure I, I do it all the right way, and I'm, you know, kind of nervous about it. And uh, he's every time we walk by a door, he's running his knuckles across it. Every time we walk by a door, and I couldn't figure out what he was doing. I asked him. He says, "Oh." Well, that's too, uh, you know, check to see if it's hot when you go by. The alarm's going off for a reason, so maybe there was heat behind that door. So it's like, oh, so you, you add that to your toolbox. And then, you know, the next call you go on, that guy, you know, the same guy, or maybe somebody else is doing something else, and you try to you try to model that. And I think that, like, when our senior guys are now the guys that have, like, 10 years, like, I'm an 11-year captain. I didn't think this was going to happen in 11 years. I didn't even think getting a lieutenant in eight or whatever it was was going to happen either, but here we are. And um, we... We have to just like, I don't know, man, like it's, it's, it's hard to get that experience in somebody and also like make sure that we keep those senior guys around that tells us those stories and everything. It's just, we have, it's, the, it's the struggle, you know, yeah, we got, well, we got to entice the stories too, right? Uh, it's yeah. the communication. I think, I think what, what I'm finding more and more is, is communication is lacking more and more and, and the expectation of knowing is higher but communication yeah. is lower. And and I think it's we're starting to trend out on two different sides of the spectrum, right? So you're supposed to know, but we're not telling you. And if you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. And yeah. and I'm not and it's not just the volunteer firehouse. I mean, it's everywhere. It's everywhere in life. It's it's even like to be honest, even like with my kids, like raising my kids and like sometimes the, I I would think they they should know something but they didn't pick up on it or they didn't realize yeah. or they didn't dawn on them, but I thought it should have. And there wasn't a conversation. And then I'm, I snap at them or something and they look at me and they go, we didn't know. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. You know, well, I just, yeah. I mean, like I've had guys, you know, some of my, um, my, my junior senior men, I call them um, saying like, Oh man, these, these freaking new guys, man, they're driving me crazy. They're not doing this. I'm like, did you ever tell them they had to do that? Like, don't just sit here and bark at them for something that they didn't know they were supposed to be held accountable for. Sure. You know, it, just show them. Yeah. You yeah. know, <laughs> get off your ass and do it, man. Like you gotta, it all has to be part of it. These guys have to be fostered. And you know, an old fireman's job is to make sure that the young guy becomes the old guy. Like, so why we, we got to do that. You know what I mean? You got to make sure that that is happening. And I think it is. I think it's just, it's everybody wants to be an expert right away. And it's, uh, it's challenging when you have to try to like, like, I never want to use embarrassment as a tool for teaching, right? I've talked about it before where I said, like, you know, it's a, it's a good way to kind of check somebody. But I don't really like doing that unless I absolutely have to. But there's there's quite a few people out there in the world that think they know everything there is oh, to know about the fire service. And I got to tell you, they don't. I mean, I'm still learning. I don't even, like I said, there's times where I, don't, I feel like I don't even have, I have no business being a captain of a fire company, and here I am. 
Well, um, you know, that's a that's a fun conversation too, but don't sell yourself short, right? Because, yeah. you know, you're you're a guy that is in love with the fire service. You're constantly pushing yourself to learn and be better and you're learning from, you know, what you don't know and seeking out to mistakes, to to lessons learned, to you know, training yourself to be better. I mean, somebody yeah. has to take that seat and, and not everybody's qualified when they get that seat, but I can promise you that if they're into the job, they deserve it and they're going to find their right. way and, and they're going to make yeah. the right decisions. They're going to make some wrong decisions, but it's going to make a lot of right decisions too. You yeah. know? So I wouldn't sell yourself short on that, but I love like, this has been a great conversation because, but it, it it's trending a little negative, but I do know that you are super passionate and in love with the fire service. And so volunteerism back to your original statement, right? It's only dying if you let it die. Right. How are yeah, we absolutely, absolutely true? How do we keep endorsing it and how do we promote the betterment of it so that we continually bring new members in and retain? And I think the biggest conversation that we skip over, we always talk about recruitment, but retaining our members. How do we keep our members there and interested and involved and wanting to be better for themselves and for the organization? The, we have to have, we have to be real with ourselves and realize that the reason why people don't like to volunteer right off the, right off the bat is because life is taking up so much of our time that we can't afford to give any of it up unless we're getting compensated in some way, shape or form. And some of us, but being compensated, it could be something as simple as getting like that feeling of doing something good for your neighbor. Yeah. And some people, some people, it's money. We used to get paid seven bucks a run. We told the town, listen, people aren't coming around. We need to change things up. No, we get paid 15 bucks a run. You paid out twice a year. It's enough money to buy my family some Christmas presents and then pay for the beer fund in the summer. That's pretty much like the deal. Right. Right. And so we had to have that conversation. We had to talk about the possibility of looking at like, listen, we might have to start paying some part-time folks to stick around the station. And when I think that some of that comes around, you have these tough conversations and then it, it comes away from the, uh, the staff aspect of the firehouse, like our fire commission and our, and our executive leadership. And the guys start to see like, oh boy, we got a, we have a problem here. And if the guys are invested and we have buy-in from the membership, the only good thing that can, like, or the, the best things that come from it is the retention aspect. We are our best cheerleaders. We get guys, we get people to join because their buddies are saying, I have a shitload of fun at the firehouse. I love going to the, I love doing fire stuff. I love being on the department. And that's how we get people to come in. And then we get them to stick around because hopefully I'd like to think that we're creating a family aspect. Um, and also, I mean, I think it, the fire service, the modern fire service, especially in the Northeast, we have like a plethora of outside training entities, um, private sure. companies, a lot of guys are put on. And I think that's making a big difference too, because a lot of guys, especially, you know, we have two different folks that um, we often lose in the fire service. We have the big fish in a small pond who didn't get challenged enough and has lost respect or has a disdain for the fire service because we said we don't do that here knock it off you're too into the job whatever whatever if they they had one bad boss that they listened to for way too long about how it's not cool to be a, into the job or into the into the fire service and then we have the other person who doesn't apply themselves enough and they just they die like a rotten fruit and that's fine that's fine whatever it's not for everybody the world needs bartenders i get it i think right now what is helping us is we started allowing our members to take outside training. Um, our training budget isn't very robust, but when we can afford it, um, we send guys to training as much as they can. I did a Northeast squad concepts, uh, Jason Rivera and Josh Miller. They're doing a fantastic job. We did a, myself, one of my lieutenants went and took a, uh, 
a VES and like search culture class. Right. I live very close to the firehouse. So I'm an engine guy. I don't really do a lot of search. We don't get a lot of fires. So it's the best opportunity. So we took that class. I met people from all over the Northeast. It was, and it rejuvenated my like passion and love for the fire service for, a, for a little bit longer. You know what I mean? It kind of refills that, um, that, that passion for it. And then, yeah. you know, sitting, sitting through a, a Bobby, Bobby Ecker class, for example, that, I mean, that'll get anybody fired up, Sure, but that like that gets you wound up. And I, I start taking kids now, you know, so we had two younger guys. We took them to a, um, a modern fired behavior class with, um, flash fire. Uh, they have a, a trailer that they put you in and they, they give true blackout high heat. This is a problem conditions discuss on the different modern fire dynamics. And, I think if we get guys into doing that stuff where we don't go to a lot of fires, I mean, if we get a fire in our town once a year, I'm doing good. I go to a lot of fires mutually, but we don't, they don't happen in town very often. So we don't get a lot of that good first do work. So we got to get guys out. We got to get guys into the, into the training circuit. We have to get them to the Joey D's, which I'm so mad that I haven't been to yet, but all of these great programs. How are out do you there. get them there? Well, I mean, funding's one thing, right? So if the yeah. if your if your district, your municipality, or your or you know wherever wherever your station lies, if they can afford to send people, that's great. But if they yeah. can't, right? That's that's troubling. And then the other issue too is like I look at is how do you find how do you coax guys to take a weekend away or a full Saturday or Saturday and Sunday to go and take this training? It becomes a big topic of conversation. Yeah. And I don't have a, yeah, no, I don't, I, I don't mean, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to put you on the spot with that, but like no. these, these are those struggles, right? Because it's like finding that fine balance. I think personally, I think we always have enough time to do whatever we want to do. Right. I mean, th there's a thing with the fire service that we, I think we're starting to lose a little bit. And the fact that the fire service is a sacrifice. We we make a sacrifice to provide a service, especially in the volunteer service, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. We're responsible yeah. for providing protection. Now, obviously, you can't go every minute of every day and be available to do that. But I do think that, you know, the word sacrifice and commitment and dedication are starting to wane a little bit because I think it's becoming more about like, well, I just I can't do it today. And yeah, I'll be honest with you. I blew off a 3.30 a.m. call this morning. I heard it go off. I, yeah. I sat up in bed and I'm like, you know what? I'm exhausted. I had a big day today. I had a late night yeah. last night. And I was like, you know what? I'm rolling over. We, you know, we had a night called uh, the night before that I got up for at one thirty in the morning or whatever it was like, you know, we're going out the door 700 times a year. Like you can't do it all anymore. Right. But, right. but you still have to provide that commitment and dedication to your fire company and to the community that you swore to protect. Because part of that conversation is, is like, yes, I get it. You need your own time and, and you can't make every run, but you promised the residents, your customers, the municipality, the district, you promised them you were going to provide protection and service. We absolutely. And, and so that conversation, I think needs to pop its head every once in a while and say, Hey guys, you know, as I can, I can value, you know, I can value that you have a lot going on, but sometimes I need you and we need you there. Like we need to be yeah. accountable for our own response and actions. And I think that conversation is starting to get lost. And, uh, you know, guys would rather not go to calls or come out to fires because they're going to be tired the next day and they don't want to be tired the next day. 
And yeah, we, so like my favorite thing to say, I hear all the time, like, well, this is a volunteer organization. Like, you're right. You volunteer to join. Everything else is in the course of duty. Like the only, the only volunteer portion of it was you signing up to be here. Nobody's forcing you to be here. You decided you wanted to be here. Now I expect you to be here. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not lying to you. If I say I do the same thing, that call goes off in the middle of the night, I sit up and I give it a few minutes to see if any of the other officers are going to sign on the air before I get a, like, commit myself to going. If I know like 5 a.m. is coming quick. You know what I mean? I get it. So we all do it. I try really hard not to be the guy that does it, and it and it happens. But I think but, you're allowed to, right? Like you're you're allowed to do that, but not on a regular basis. Right. I, I think that's that's the conversation. And as and as in the volunteer fire service, typically, what happens is is as you get more senior, you're allowed more leeway, right? Been doing it for a long time. I'm a life member. Like been here for over 25 years. Like it's the next guy's responsibility to get that engine of four out the door for a fire alarm with the truck, right? Like, yeah, you know, but is it though? Well, that, so here's the thing, right? That sounds good in theory, and that's where right. I was headed with it, brother. Is like it sounds good in theory, but the problem is now more than ever we're relying more on our older guys to do more because we don't have the younger generation coming up and filling those holes anymore. Right. And so now it's that conversation of, Hey man, I appreciate your 25 years in and yes, you should be allowed to sleep through night calls. I agree with you hundred percent. However, I need you. Yeah. Like, you, you know, like I don't have that luxury to let you roll over and go to bed anymore. I truly count on every single member that could possibly come, whether you're here 25 years or one year, I need you. And that's the yeah. that's been the the difference that's starting to happen now in the volunteer service is that we're starting to I mean in all my years here in my fire department I feel more I feel more um I feel more uh, like I have to be there more now than I ever had to before yeah. like my ob obligation I feel more obligated to be there now because we're running with less like my engine company I mean we literally have like. 10 or 12 active guys in a house. And it's the same four to six guys that are getting out the door 80% of the time. Yeah. I mean, 90% of the work is done by 10% of the population. Right? Like it's what's going to happen every time. Right. You know, and it, and I think that like, that's a tough conversation to have with some of the more senior folks too. And, and even, you know, officers, especially too, like I have, we're all kind of young officers. Um, there, there's two captains in the house. The other one, he's been, he's been here for, I think 30 years or getting close to it. So he's got his time. Right. But the rest of us are still kind of pecking away at it. Sure. And when I became, when I first became a boss, uh, a gentleman that I really respect is, a, is an assistant chief here. And he was my captain. When I first joined, he said, uh, okay, you got the spot now, kid. And I just remember being an officer isn't an excuse to do less. It's a responsibility to do more. I like that. And I, uh, can you say really that one more time? Cause that's going to be the quote of this episode. I can tell you that right now. What was that? He, he said, being an officer isn't, isn't a, an excuse to do less. It's a responsibility to do more. Excuse and that to do less. Being an officer is not an excuse to do less, but it's a responsibility to do more. And that, yeah, and that's like kind of what I try to do the best as I can, because um, I can't remember the the gentleman that you had on, um, but he was saying like the fight that we're fighting now isn't for us today; it's for the guys twenty years from now. Yeah, you know what I mean. We're yeah. we're fighting a, a long game, and I and I had to come to realization with that it, it it took it was painful for me because I was like, 
look at all this stuff that we could be doing. Look at how cool all this other, oh my God, all this shit that we could be doing. And we could, you know, we could get smooth bores and, and uh, Minutemans and uh, steel hooks and four shot. Uh, and then I had to like take a second and realize like, this isn't going to happen right away. Yeah. It's not going to. Yeah. And it's, you know, and it took me like 11 years to get smooth bores on the engine. It took me 11 years to get steel hooks and like breaking away from some of those um, older traditions of this is fine because this is what we've used. Well, it's different now, you know, or, or trying to, who knows if it's different or it's the same, but trying to get to, you know, to that buy-in from the, get the older guys to agree with me and the younger guys to, uh, to help me fight the good fight. You know what I mean? Why, why are you fighting the good fight? What is it? What is it about that just, you absolutely are enamored with it? Like you, you love it. And, you know, as much as this conversation has been up and down, and, you know, it's positives, negatives, positives, negatives, things that need to be addressed, things we need to do better. But ultimately, like, I, I hear it in your voice and in knowing you, you are still absolutely in love with it. And I am too, right? And it's, and it's just, yeah. why? Why? This place is, this place is, an, is, is an abusive boyfriend. It's 100% what it is. It's like, we can't get, we can't get enough of it. You know what I mean? And it's <laughs> like... <laughs> Talk yeah, about, to talk make, about not that, to make light, though, right? you know what I mean? Not to make light of no, any situation like that. That's but fine. It, yeah, it's, obviously. It's, it's Jesus Christ. Like as much as I, as much as this place might kick me in the nuts and then, and then knock me down, I still get back up and say, thank you, sir. May I have another, because for whatever reason, I just can't get enough of the people. I can't get enough of doing the job. And then some of the guys might, might irk me, but some of the guys are the best guys I've ever known. Um, my best man was my lieutenant. He's a member of a different department now. He's the best man in my wedding. One of my guys now is the godfather of my child. This place is like, it's part of like me, right? This is me. Um, I, my identity is so wrapped up in being a fireman, not just any fireman, but a fireman, a captain of the Thomaston Volunteer Fire Department. Like that's, I don't know, man, I, you can't really describe it unless you do it. And I, I agree with you. And I've, I've tried to lately try to put it into words and it's very hard. And I, and it, I, I talk about it quite often with the volunteer fire service and it's just how dedicated people are to it. They uproot, yeah. and they uproot their lives and they make life decisions upon their volunteer firehouse. Yeah. Yes. The, the, you know, yes. your, your, your recreation coach, your member of the planning board, the library committee, whatever, what other, you know, opportunities there are in your community to volunteer, it is nothing like the volunteer fire service. No, no. I mean, and you know what it is too. It's like the the best thing that I can do for myself in, as far as like my fulfillment in the fire service, let alone like my mission for the men and, and for the department and the organization. But the mission that I do for myself is like I have to try to find people that I align with, right? So like, there's a the chief officer of the Bantam Fire Company, which is not far from me. His name's Ryan Litwin. He's also a lieutenant with Stratford on the job. And he and I will just Facebook message each other back and forth and just buff out. Like they're getting a new rescue made. It's going to be awesome. And it's just, it's cool. So we geek out about that. We talk about like the, the new tool in the market, the different gear. Hey, have you heard about this? Did you see what happened at that job? And it's, it's subjective because he's not one of my guys and I'm not one of his guys. Yeah. At least that's the way I see it. And Ryan, if you're listening and you think, it, think it's different, just tell me to shut up. But like, <laughs> I, but like, you know, him or like, you know, I've got a, a friend down the street as well. One of my mutual aid companies. Uh, Joe Lafreniere, he's a, he's a captain down there. The same thing. I hit him up. 
because I say like, you're never going to believe what bullshit went down the station tonight or how cool is this? Or, Hey, I heard you guys got something, you know, it's just, and you have to find ways to find guys that you align yourself with and then reignite that. And I, I tell people when they go to fire school here, I say your number one priority is to learn the job, which whether or not the state certification aspect of learning the job is accurate enough, but that's a whole other. That's another but, animal. Yeah. yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> but uh, we could go another hour just yeah, on that. Right? But, you know, um, but like your your second priority, and this is this is really big, is to meet people. It's to network. Um, I don't know if parading or marching or however whatever you want to call it is big with you guys down there. It was huge with us for a long time. We kind of took a a year off, but like you know for the the close order drill and things like that. And we would travel the state going to these parades, and state convention was really big for us. We were the reigning state champs for years. Um, but it was an opportunity for me to to go around, you know, the beer garden during the parade and then just talk to all these guys that I haven't seen in forever because I see them at parades, other firemen from other departments or whatever. And you just, you, you connect. And then it's, I don't know, man, like I keep trying to put it into words, like no, what, I it, get it. what it means, you know, and it's just like all these things that you can do to be, to be into it and be even better for it is just, you know, I, I am, uh, I'm one of the most fortunate guys in the American fire service to be able to meet the people that I've met and, and, you know, to really just be able to, you know, have an incredible phone full of, of connections and friends and brothers and, and people that have just, they're amazing. And so like this past weekend at the Joey D conference in long Island, I was there on uh, one of the, one day I couldn't stay the whole weekend. I was there one day and it was so great. A couple of my guys were there. Um, and these guys are on the job. They volunteer as well and so on. And just really awesome dudes that love the fire service. And I took every opportunity I could to, to introduce them to whoever I was talking to, or if I was, if they were in the area, I just was like, Hey, come over here. Like, let me introduce you. It's so important to me to make those connections. And I watch, like, I watch these guys, not these, not those guys, but just guys in the firehouse, these younger guys kind of almost shy away from conversations or or not be able to go and have open conversation or dialogue with other guys from other areas because it takes effort and 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 the ability to communicate and we have to do a better job at telling everyone and promoting how important it is to get to know your second alarm companies your third alarm companies yeah. you know i mean especially yeah. you know when you go to fires and you know the majority of the guys that are arriving on that second alarm because you've had a beer with them or you've had conversations yeah. or you know they're in the same lane you are with the same likes and dislikes and they're into the job, they're not into the job. Like, you know all these things about them. It makes for a better fire ground. Yeah. And- well, and that's the thing. Like, you go, to a, you go to a good job and, like, if, I, if I'm working and I feel a tap on my shoulder and it's, you know, one of my guys from Northfield or Terryville or the towns around us and they say, what do you need, brother? Like, I know that guy. And that makes it, it's not a stranger. You know what I mean? It's not some dude from across the city. This is a guy that, you know, um, is on your bowling team or you're like, you said, you had a beer with him the other night, you know, that makes it such a big deal. You know, like I said, brother's not just a cool name. We call each other. It fucking means something. Yeah. Yeah. And for us too, like we've gotten to the point now, you know, for many, many, many years now, um, when I was writing some policy for the, for our mutual aid and, and so on. It was awesome because what we did was we basically standardized alarm assignments and radio procedures and all that for the mutual aid. But part of that decision-making was also to utilize 
other departments, command staff to fill in the gaps at firegrounds. And so yep. chiefs chiefs used to come to the fireground and watch other guys burn other houses, burn the houses down, right? Like, <laughs> and now you know chiefs report to the command post, you know, geared up with an SCBA on, and they get assigned to a division or a sector or into an that. operational role, a safety role, whatever. But chiefs come to work now. And, yeah. and so there's there's many, many times where we'll go, you know, uh, mutual aid to uh, an away game, and one of our chiefs steps in as the operations boss of that fire for the for the chief of that town because their assistant or deputy didn't show up, right? And, like, yeah. and so we, we've been able to create a culture where there's an incredible mutual respect between the municipalities that work together on a regular basis that we can swap in guys left and right. And there's none of this home turf shit anymore. And, and that was yeah. a lot of the problems that I think faced the American fire service for so long was this home turf nonsense. But as times have changed, manpower has changed. Responsibilities have increased. Call volume has increased that drawing a line in the sand and saying, this is our sandbox and we'll invite you when we want. That's bullshit, man. And those days have to be yeah. over. And so, you and know, they do. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, and that's why getting to know, those guys that are around you are just critical, critical. Yeah. It starts at 18 years old, 16 years old, 20 years old. You get to know them, and then you become a lieutenant, and then that guy becomes a lieutenant in his town, and you come up through the ranks together. Right. And it Absolutely. just it that's that's part of the fun and the excitement of what we do, right? It's the Definitely. camaraderie. It's the storytelling. It's the laughs. It's the cries. It's the being there for one another and i think that's what's the most important part and just to kind of just bring it back to the fold of what we were talking about was that's the things that we have to explain to the members when they come in we have to explain to the members how good this really is the laughs yeah. the fun the cries the support for one another the family aspect like these are all things that for an outsider coming into the fire service they have no concept or idea of what to expect on that level all they Absolutely. know is the siren goes off, the pager goes off, they run to the firehouse, or they jump in a car and go to the scene, right? And we're expected to go to a fire, answer Mrs. Smith that fell down or her alarm's going off. Mm -hmm. But the other aspect, man, we have such an obligation, Matt, to educate our incoming people about the other great aspects of the fire service. 100%. And the only way we can teach them that is to show them. Yes. You know what I mean? We, we can't just talk about it. Don't just talk about it, be about it. You know what I mean? Just... Show them. Show them. It's the best thing we can do for our guys and each other. Just don't talk about it. Be about it. Sorry, man. I'm writing that one down, too. That might That's too close. Well, that's shorter, so it might fit the title <laughs> yeah, line yeah, better yeah. than the other one. The other one's like a paragraph, but I'll weasel that into the narrative yeah. for sure. But, I mean, what a what a great conversation, man. And, and I know, you know, um, I know you got a long way to go. I mean, you know, you are passionate. You're in, in a captain position, right? So, yes, sir. I mean, you got a you got a long way to go to work your way up through the through the chain and spend a lot of years. And you know, what is it like to tutor these kids to be to be somebody that they look to, right? I mean, you're riding that front seat. You're the company boss, and now you got these younger kids. I mean, you have to work harder than you've ever worked before now. Absolutely. It's, it's honestly like it's a daunting task that I keep thinking about. And I want to make sure that I'm not screwing it up. But, uh, you know, I got the, the you struggle the with fire it? service. Yeah, man, because I don't I don't want to like let these kids down. I want to I, I don't want to. You know, yeah. there was there was always somebody for me. You know what I mean? Like I, there was always like at every point, every turn of my you know short 
but storied career with the fire service at every turn there was somebody that you know grabbed me by the bootstraps and said come on kid this way you know and i want to make sure that i'm doing that for somebody i hope i am you know what i mean i don't think they'd ever tell me you know because we don't talk about that with each other right you know that sentimental shit goes out the window but i i like to think that i'm doing that and um do you struggle with the amount of time it takes and finding that balance between your personal life, your family, your obligations with your wife, your children, your yeah. job, right? And then uh, my and daughter is uh, is you know she's sixteen, almost seventeen months now. Oh man, your and hands like, are full. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm just like, I'm trying to do the, I'm trying to do the right thing for everybody. You know what I mean? I'm trying to do it best as I can by my family, by the guys, and then find the space in between. And it's a challenge. And but I to think do that, yourself, like I said, you got to do yourself right too. Absolutely. Well, I usually I usually find solace and all that eventually somewhere. My my purpose <laughs> is the my purpose is the is the service. I no, think. I get and, it. But like I said at the start too, like anything challenging, you know, it's not worth doing it if it's not a challenge. And that's where we get the most fulfillment in our lives. You know, my day job is my day job, and it sucks sometimes. It's busy. It is what it is. But my fulfillment comes when uh, that. You know, like you said, that old mother Hubbard at two o'clock in the morning fell or her alarm's going off and it just happened to be a dead battery, but she was just happy that somebody showed up and fixed it for her. You know. Listen, you know, I, I have to be honest with you, like that sometimes is hard for me to say. And, you know, good for you. And 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 I, I mean that just because I'm being a hundred percent honest and transparent is like Sometimes my frustration runs super high on the bullshit oh. runs and, and yeah, man. we're doing a lot of them and to try to save face and to try to believe in that becomes a struggle. And the only reason I say this is because I know a lot of people could throw the bullshit flag on that and say like, man, I, Mrs. Smith's killing me, you know? <laughs> and no, 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 she is killing us, yeah. right? Like that yeah. does suck, but like you have to, you have to be honest with yourself Yes. Enough to know that there's a reason you're doing this. Yes. And you can be a tough guy and say, if it's not a job, I'm not getting out of bed. But like, you know, you're gonna, right? Like, you know, you want to be a part of that. I don't know about you. I live right down the street from the firehouse. And if I hear a cue go by in the middle of the night and I didn't wake up for the call or I decided to, to sandbag it for a night, I get upset. You know what I mean? I, I do too. Mechanical siren, I, I do like too. Uh, the guys were ribbing me tonight. We had a couple of runs tonight and right before the podcast and, uh, you know, they're like, hey, where were you this morning? Car was in the driveway. I was like, yeah, I know. Yeah, it's like, I woke up. Drive by, right? I was like, I woke up and, uh, well, guess what? Uh, I went yeah. back to bed. And uh, we, call that, uh, we call that tertiary staging. You reset <laughs> the pager and go back to sleep. <laughs> it happens. There's other nights I wake up to the, or wake up in the morning and the pager's on the floor. So I must have threw it. You yeah. know what I mean? When I went off. But I, I just, you know, it's, it's all of that. But I just want to thank you for being honest tonight and uh, talking about it. Because I know the volunteer, I, I, I want to do more of these conversations. Um, because I think a lot of our listeners and people are looking for direction. And it's always great to get, you know, big names, if you will, guys that teach sure. and travel. And it's always great to hear their message and it always fires you up. But it's also great to just talk to guys that love the fire service like yourself and that are in a smaller you know, t you know, more suburban rural town in Connecticut and you, you carry such a passion for it. And I think you're making just as big of an impact as anyone else in, in the fire service. And I think it's important to share those stories because there's a lot more of you than urban ghetto firefighters out there needing to hear, you know, those stories too. So 
Um, yeah. I thank you, brother, for joining me tonight, Matt. This well, thank awesome. you. This is this has been great. Yeah, great conversation. Yeah. Well, I value you, and I appreciate uh, all your kind words about what we do. I know you've been a, a supporter, and and um, you know, and and so on. So that means the world to me. But um, if we can do anything for you guys, and and anything for your department, let us know, um, and so on. But man, thanks for joining me tonight. It was a great conversation. Yeah, I appreciate it, brother. Thank you. Cool. I told you it goes quick, by the way. Yeah, it does. That was fast. <laughs> well, we'll get you back. We're going to be, I'm thinking, like, down the road. I've gotten a lot of feedback about, like, doing some more of those roundtables. And yeah. I think it would be fun to get a couple, like, volunteer-only roundtables together where guys can talk, bring up topics and ideas and, and kind of bounce things off of each other. Because I think there's so many ideas and opportunities and, and programs that volunteer departments have put forth over the years that works for them or it didn't work for them and they can share those stories too so that other departments don't try to focus on things that might not work and so on. So yeah. I, I think to put together a think tank on a regular basis would be probably super helpful just in regards to picking a topic and, and diving into it with a couple different people. So I'd love to get you back for one of those. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Absolutely, man. I'm, I'm always around. Cool. Well, brother, thank you, Matt Pronovo. I got it right, right? Yeah, you did. Nice. Beautiful. Thomaston, Connecticut, 11 years, third generation. Thank you, brother, for joining me tonight. Stay right here. I'm just going to sign out, and then uh, I'll get right back to you. So hang on one second. Thanks, bro. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Everyone, thanks for tuning in for another episode of National Fire Radio on the podcast audio channels. Please like, share, subscribe, talk about it at the kitchen table, because when we're talking about the job, we're making the job better. So we'll see you at the next one. Thanks for tuning in. Jeremy. National Fire Radio.